0: Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca.
1: Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning. Ashley Frasca here joining you. Green and Growing right here on 95.5 WSB. My Saturday mornings are really made so much better by being with you and hearing from you. So we'll get back to calls 404 8720750, 8720750, but they are also made better when I am able to bring on experts in their fields to share really good information and really good knowledge with you most of the time, better than I can do myself. That's why I lean on them so much. And you've heard her on the show before, Becky Griffin with the University of Georgia Community and School Garden Coordinator and a certified beekeeper and pollinator health program associate. Hey, Becky, I'm glad to have you back. Good morning, Ashley. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you this morning? Really good, and I've been looking forward to our conversation for sure. We talked back in April, which was perfect because of, you know, things blooming and spring going into summer. And now having you back uh, to recognize National Pollinator Week, June 21st through the 25th. That's kind of a big deal. Talk to us a little bit about who puts that on and why it's an organized effort.
0: Well, it's actually a national effort, so it's not just Georgians who will be celebrating and recognizing pollinators, but people all over the United States will be as well. Um, The Pollinator Partnership, I think, is the big coordinator. Um, People can find out about that by going to pollinator.org. So there are the big national drive behind this, but um, everybody who loves pollinators has really taken it on as a, a week to concentrate on what these insects do for us and how to help them and learn more about them
1: And you yourself too you, you do such a good job keeping up the Facebook page That's Georgia Pollinator Census And we'll talk a little bit more about What that census is and when that is But you do such a good job Of making these insects Really come alive with some personality They're not just ooh gross bugs Like they're <laughs> actually super cute If you really get to looking at them And so beneficial and most importantly Totally necessary for our way of life
0: Uh, Correct. And I'm glad that you think they're so cute. And that's my big goal. I once told a teacher, my big goal is to have a kid go from, ooh, it's a bug, to look at the tarsal claw on that bee.
1: Yeah, So and, I'm glad that you are on board, Ashley Well, and you know, when you've got something flying around you You're out working in the yard, you're sitting on the back deck I think your first in, your instinct is, you know, you're startled So you go to swat at it or want to kill it or whatever But really, you've got to be so conscientious and careful About what you may be, you know, doing harm to But I've noticed kind of a trend on your Facebook page, Becky In, in really helping folks identify And this seems so basic, but maybe it's really not People seeming to get mixed up Bees and how to identify them and what they are looking like versus flies So the importance of knowing the difference Because when we're thinking about counts in the census and things like that You've got to make sure you're giving an accurate count And proper identification is key in that, right? Right, and um, when we came up with the criteria for counting in the pollinator census
0: We wanted to make it um accessible to all Georgians. You do not have to be an entomologist to learn the simple differences between bees and flies or carpenter bees and bumblebees, and we give all the information that you would ever need to learn how to do that to empower you to learn a little bit more entomology but not make it too difficult so everyone can participate in the census.
1: Yeah, we definitely want to promote that, and we we will do that right here on Green and Growing. The Georgia Pollinator Census is set for two days in August, August 20th and 21st, and that's a project you take on. How many years have you been doing that, Becky?
0: Uh, This will be our third statewide event, and we did two years of a pilot project to kind of fine-tune things before that.
1: So I love that, kind of a build-up this summer You know, with the things that you're doing on on Facebook And just the information you're getting out To properly arm people and educate them So that when they do this census They know what they're looking at Um, Bee identification Now, whether we do, like you said We have a wasp or a hornet or a yellow jacket, Or, thank goodness for honeybees and bumblebees And things like that Are all bees pollinators? Well,
0: that's a very good question And my answer is a little more broad than that Anything that moves pollen from one flower to another is a pollinator. So you and I are pollinators sometimes when we work in the garden. We concentrate on insect pollinators because a lot of them are are anatomically built to be great pollinators. So wasps are pollinators, even though they don't have pollen gathering apparatus on their body, they are hanging out in the pollinator garden looking for food for their young and they're moving from flower to flower. So they're pollinators
1: And I guess butterflies would be too, right?
0: Yes, and actually it's very interesting um, They We think of fireflies as the beauty that we get at night When we take care of our landscape and turn our lights off But they can be, um, some firefly species feed on pollen or nectar And they are in our pollinator gardens in the daytime Moving around, so technically yes, they're pollinators too
1: Fireflies, and I did a little uh, comment on the green and growing Facebook page most of us southerners call them lightning bugs so either way Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call them fireflies lightning bugs you know what I've noticed too Becky is some summers there seem to be more than others Um, but Kirk Mellish and I were actually having a conversation and he lives in Marietta I live in Woodstock and he was kind of disappointed like I haven't seen near as many as what I'm used to I wonder what's going on and I myself have noticed that but my bedtime is like eight thirty. You know, I, I have to go to bed early because the hours that I work. So I'm going to bed right at about dusk. But two days last week, I was up until nine, which shocking. Oh my gosh, I paid for it the next day. But I was driving in <laughs> uh, like in my neighborhood home at nine p.m. two days last week, and that's when I really seemed to see the most. So that made me smile. Maybe. Not so dreadful thinking that you know Counts were down and I wasn't seeing as many But do you think that that's just Maybe isolated for Kirk and I Or have you heard other people saying they're just not Seeing as many this year Well I've, I've
0: heard both things And I think uh, I've heard That we're not seeing as many and I've heard Oh my goodness I've never seen so many And I think there's reasons for both um, Fireflies in their Their life cycle They need to be laying their eggs Um, and have moist area for their larva and we've been very very dry Mm. um, up up until uh, coming up tomorrow i guess Uh, so that may be a reason Uh, habitat loss just like we talk about for pollinators if someone moves in an area and they want to have a perfect turf grass from here to there and plant um, just landscape shrubs that are close to the ground and no shrubs or trees or tall grasses then they have eliminated the firefly habitat that they really want but on the other side of the coin we have been educating people for years on good pollinator habitat and a lot of that good pollinator habitat and best management practices translates into good firefly habitat So I get a lot of feedback from my pollinator gardeners saying Oh my goodness, I've never seen so many fireflies And I think that's why I think unconsciously they have improved the habitat for fireflies in their area
1: So really multiple benefits of having a pollinator garden Not only to attract (laughs) pollinators, but fireflies and other things And not to mention, I mean, some of the plants that we can use Native plants are just beautiful, colorful, you know I mean, interest almost year-round What are some of your favorites If someone... Had no idea and they just wanted to do maybe a pollinator garden And start with two or three plants What are some of the most common ones That they could just run to the nursery and pick up?
0: Well, um, I'm a big fan of milkweed um, Especially tuberosa The the orange milkweed that we used to see as kids on the roadside Um, So it is called butterfly weed Because it was so easily found And nobody gave it two thoughts But when we started spraying and mowing Right around our roadsides you don't see as much anymore so and that's one of the pollinator plants of the year oh, cool. and so i really enjoy that one it's um, we're seeing it more and more in our nurseries i'm a big fan also of mountain mint um, it is a mint so it does spread uh, it does grow very well in the mountains but it grows other places in georgia as well it is a no-brainer for attracting um, all sorts of insects and it's a very good height for fireflies as well um, I also love the downy goldenrod, which is another pollinator plant of the year. And people oftentimes think goldenrod, I'm going to sneeze. But that is not our <laughs> plant that we are, um, you're, you're not having allergic reaction to downy goldenrod pollen because it's too sticky to fly around. But it is a great pollinator plant. False rosemary is great. If we're looking at shrubs. The sweet pepper bush, which again is a pollinator plant of the year, is a great shrub. There's a lot of it at the Chattahoochee Nature Center if you've ever been there. Beautiful flowers, nice shrub, not a lot of
1: care, attracts a lot of pollinators. But it doesn't, with the name sweet pepper, it doesn't actually grow little peppers or anything, right? (laughs) No, <laughs> that uh, would be cool. It has a spicy fragrance. I oh. think that's how it got its name. Okay, so we could see those at the Chattahoochee Nature Center. Now that's oh, yeah. that's really neat. That like is that a nationwide thing that some of these plants are awarded? You know, pollinator plant of the year or some of the most popular?
0: Well, actually, it's a Georgia program started oh. by the State Botanical Garden of Georgia, and, and I, um, and with other partners, I have pol- have um, collaborated with them, and every year. We're picking four of the best pollinator plants and working with industry to help them learn how to propagate them And actually there's a whole toolkit for landscapers and nurseries who want to promote these pollinator plants That are don't take a lot of effort and they um, are great producers of beautiful flowers And a lot of resources for our insect population
1: And the ones we talked about just moments ago, they're mostly all perennials, aren't they?
0: Uh, yes, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, they're all perennials um, And uh, if you go to the website for the State Botanical Gardens And look at the pollinator plants of the year One of our great landscape architects has even designed a garden Using those particular plants So it's a no-brainer for someone who wants to start a pollinator garden
1: Wow, see, and that's made easy, guys you got to love perennials I mean, not only for the benefits like that But plant at one time and, and you're done Low maintenance You get to expect to see it Year after year That's awesome Well Becky We're going to take a break But when we come back I want to talk a little bit more About fireflies And if folks are Already out They're seeing the lightning bugs They're noticing what You know what they see And then they've got the kids Outside as well Let's put that to good use And let's be productive With what you're seeing We'll tell you ways To do that Here in just a few minutes Checking on weather And traffic And we'll be back I'm glad you're listening To Green and Growing Stay tuned to WSB Currently watching my friend uh, Brian Monahan, meteorologist for Channel 2 Action News On for uh, Ebony Dion this morning And wow, that tropical storm Claudette is just coming in like on fire Through southern Alabama It's going to hit Georgia It's really going to get rainy later on this afternoon After lunchtime, scattered showers and thunderstorms High of 80, a low of 68 in the widespread rain Guaranteed tomorrow Heavy rain at times, isolated, severe weather can't be ruled out A high tomorrow of 79, low around 71 The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing Back on Green and Growing with Becky Griffin from the University of Georgia Becky, you're so involved in pollinators and community gardens and schools and things like that And uh, we were talking about fireflies and how, yes, they can actually be considered pollinators And something very important for this month and next month, uh, the Atlanta Firefly Project Tell us a little bit about that
0: Yes, I'm very excited about this. We have a grad student from the Warnell School of Forestry, and her name is Kelly Ridenhauer, and this is her big project. And she actually lives in metro Atlanta downtown, and she was uh, an an entomology student who was wondering what really are the the firefly populations in Atlanta. I mean, some of us will say we see more, some less. What is the truth? What is the research? So she has developed a project for citizen scientists who live in the metro area to actually record um, populations of fireflies. And she has made it really simple. If you go to her website, atlantafireflyproject.org, she has a video that you can quickly look through to see what she's looking for. And while you're counting fireflies for her, you're actually learning about them. She talks about the different flashes, um, where they are in the in the landscape, are they close to the ground, are they a little higher up? And what you'll find is if you go outside and intentionally look at fireflies, you're gonna see they have different flashes, different colors, different patterns. And I know, Ashley, that you are uh, go to bed very early, <laughs> but it, the first fireflies that we see are the um, common Big Dipper fireflies with that J-swirl. And if you happen to be up at 1 in the morning, and maybe when you get up to go to work, you actually will see different species of fireflies, because we have over 50 species of fireflies in Georgia. Wow. So there's a lot out there, and Kelly is just wanting to document what's going on in Atlanta.
1: And we were camping with some friends and their two daughters last weekend, and, you know, I mean, the the attraction is... To catch them, put them in a jar, put them in a little little Ziploc bag Of course it's so important to poke holes in all of those And not let them stay in it for too long Just enough for the kids to be entertained And then please release them, let them go But just knowing that that was that familiar firefly or lightning bug That I grew up with, with the two black wings And almost like a little red head, right?
0: Right, right, they have that um, little protection on their head And the interesting thing is if you Ever decide to delve into fireflies You can look historically Native peoples talked about Fireflies in their writings We have scientists from the 1700s Talking hmm. about fireflies So it is an honor To be able to to be part of watching Them do their, their life cycle And then generations hopefully Beyond us will also be excited And writing about fireflies
1: Now is it true that only the males Light up or no it's male and female? Uh, it, it totally depends on the species. Okay. Um, in some
0: some cases they do. Some cases the female is actually more like a worm and doesn't fly. So uh, with fifty different species, you have a lot of different uh, differences there.
1: Gosh, that's fascinating. And so Atlanta dot org. So what we really kind of need, but if you if you slack off this month, it's okay. But maybe two days participating and keeping note for June. Two days keeping note. Uh, for July is really going to get her The data that she needs And then the data from the project Helps understand the threat of habitat loss Maybe nighttime light pollution That could be a factor And land management practice uh, practices And how that may negatively impact Our common eastern firefly Like Big Dipper, like like what you said, Becky So, okay, well I want to I, I have so many questions for you, Becky So if you don't mind, <laughs> <laughs> hang tight Because National Pollinator Week coming up And you know, we don't need a dedicated week, right, to to be mindful of pollinators and really educate ourselves. We can do that all year round. And Becky telling you what to put in your garden and how to attract pollinators, whether it's uh, butterflies fireflies of course all the different species and variety of bees as well and you really need those too to have success in your vegetable gardens right now as soon as you get those flowers on the squash plants and the tomato plants nothing's going to happen if it's not for the pollen being transferred so want to ask Becky and pick her brain maybe for some great ideas Of how to celebrate National Pollinator Week And what you can be doing And how to get the kids involved That's key with me at summertime We need to keep educating them But also keep them entertained as well So stay tuned for that Maybe grab a pen and paper Have that handy We'll be back Glad you're listening to Green and Growing Stay tuned to 95.5 WSB Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff Stuff encompasses a lot of things That are not included with the things That are green, so we're talking Pollinators today We talk about birding Uh, In just a little bit I'm going to give you maybe some Father's Day gift ideas Because that's tomorrow, so you got one more Day to shop for dad, and you're probably going to be Indoors with dad, so maybe find some Fun and entertaining things to do Or nice places to go eat, and in just Right at an hour from now Pike Nurseries is going to join us, and we have a A store manager who is a new dad himself So he will have some great ideas About things you can get at Pike Nursery What dad may really, truly enjoy Right now Sorry, that was the wrong button I am joined back by Becky Griffin Community and School Garden Coordinator And Certified Beekeeper Pollinator Health Program Associate Through the University of Georgia And Becky, so we've got a Griffin campus You know, for for, uh, turf management And a lot of other things on the south side, obviously, you've got the main campus, the University of Georgia over in Athens to our kind of northeast. And you're up in the Blairsville area. What all goes on up in Blairsville?
0: Well, we have a, uh, we call it an REC. I work at the Georgia Mountain Research and Education Center. So this is one of several um, research centers that University of Georgia has across the state. It is a facility where right now I think we have 40 research projects in agriculture Anything from um, where we've got some pollinator work going on there We have cattle work up there, uh, trials of corn, soybeans, tomatoes So it is a research center located in the North Georgia mountains
1: And I think you and I, we set a date for maybe September Where I'm going to come visit and you're going to show me all that stuff
0: Oh, I would love, yes, um, we'll definitely do that I'd love to give you the lay of the land up there And we have over 2,000 apple trees, actually, on the property So it is a, a hidden gem, but it is an important part of the University of Georgia system To provide research-based information for growers and the public
1: Absolutely, and, you know, all also um, the extension service, you know, created and managed through the University of Georgia And that's where the Master Gardener programs are Are through and all of that And kind of uh, just a heads up For the one in Cherokee County The Cherokee County Master Gardeners They do a class I I believe on the last Friday Of every month It's virtual It's online And it's free Which is great So the one coming up Next Friday Is going to be on pollinators Of course Around noontime So I'll be sharing that On the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page But so Becky In talking about pollinators We talked a little bit About the uh, Atlanta Firefly Project, atlantafireflyproject.org, how people can get involved in that. Of course, you are doing a great job on your social media, on Georgia Pollinator Census, on the Facebook page, getting folks ready and armed and educated to participate in your Georgia uh, Pollinator Census. That's coming up in August. So there's a lot going on, um, certainly a lot of things we want to make folks aware of. And in, in ways, irregardless of census and weeks that we celebrate and things like that, there's there's projects and things people can be doing to make their environment and habitats a little more pollinator friendly um, I maybe wanted to talk to you first about, we talked about, you know, the right plants to attract pollinators Maybe building native bee houses or, or things you can construct that are really friendly to these insects that we, we agree on they're, they're cute and we need them, so do you have any fun ideas that maybe we can get the kids involved as well? sure um
0: bee homes are a a good way to learn more about some of our native bees and of course university of georgia has a publication on building those native bee homes it's very simple it's a simple project Um, you can use blocks of wood that are untreated that you can get at any um, home depot or hardware store you follow the directions in the um, publication about putting in drilling holes putting them in your garden and leaving them for about a year um, and you will be able to see leaf cutter bees come and go and mason bees come and go and uh, more details. I'm sure you can link to the publication for people who want to get serious about building those. Another neat thing is our mutual friend Walter Reeves has a wonderful YouTube video on making a butterfly puddle (laughs) and this is important. All insects need water and it's dry out there right now and they're not Maybe don't have a good source of water when it's dry. So, creating a butterfly puddle that provides water and minerals for butterflies is a really cool project. Is that or even taking
1: the bottom? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That video is that's a blast from the past, is it not? Mm -hmm. I think folks may want to watch that video just to see Walter. It's got to be I don't know, maybe twenty years ago.
0: You think Becky? Oh maybe so <laughs> um, with all that dark hair in the
1: yes. video <laughs> And his high socks oh my god I love his high socks in that video <laughs> It's so funny Oh yeah. so you shared that that's right you did post that a few months back I'll have to share that as well Walter if you're listening sorry I'm, I'm getting a laugh at your expense No the video is great and a butterfly puddle super easy he only needed a few ingredients And the video is really fantastic not only explaining how to do it but why
0: yeah, we love Walter. He he's really good on videos.
1: Yes, he is. Now, some other ideas, maybe Becky.
0: Well, um, it is school is out, and we are blessed in Georgia to have amazing gardens. So, I mean, big gardens like the botanical gardens in Atlanta, uh, Callaway Gardens, the State Botanical Gardens in Athens, and we have some smaller, really nice gardens. Like, um, close to you, Ashley, is the Smith-Gilbert Gardens in Marietta. We have the Hamilton Gardens in Blairsville. Find a local garden, um, especially since, you know, in the pandemic, a lot of them were closed and they could really use support. Go out there with your children. See what plants are attracting pollinators. It's a great way to determine what you want to add to your own garden to attract pollinators and a way for you maybe to, to see some different insects. And with kids, you can also talk about different flower forms And what insects seem to be attracted to those different flower forms And a lot of the wonderful gardens have programs for kids um, this coming week to celebrate pollinators
1: I think that's so fantastic And you do such good work being a community and school garden coordinator, Becky And the work that you do with different schools And I mean, a lot of them built their own gardens for education purposes for the different grades, right? Right. And one of the neat things we
0: have going on as well is um, due to the popularity of the pollinator census, businesses are now wanting to create pollinator gardens. We've added a business tab to our website with um, a, a wonderful... Master student uh, Andy Culperson developed a landscape plan for those businesses So it's not just um, homeowners or public gardens anymore It's schools, it's businesses Everyone is interested
1: in what we can do for pollinators That is so awesome So share the website with folks how they can get started and maybe learn a little more uh, Yes, yeah, sure It's ggapc.org G G A P C, so like Great Georgia G for Great G A for Georgia P C Pollinator Census uh, org. Becky, that's great, and I really encourage folks to find the Georgia Pollinator Census Facebook page as well. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for really schooling us and being a little more educated and excited too about pollinators and keeping those guys around for hopefully generations to come.
0: Well, thank you very much for having me, and I um, enjoy. Talking with you and look forward to hosting you up In
1: Blairsville. I can't wait. I got it Marked on the calendar in September. Becky Griffin From the University of Georgia. Thank you so Very much guys. Okay I told you. Have a pen and Paper handy. You learned a lot. I'm going to be Sharing some of this later on today On the Green and Growing WSB Facebook Page. Okay 404 8720 750 is the number with your lawn And garden questions. Anything you want Answered and also I did something similar That I'm about to do now For Mother's Day And some of the same gift ideas can be pertinent to dad too You know, dad's always the one that uh, is working out in the yard alongside mom and the kids And when the hole needs to be dug, when the tough stuff needs to be done And the vines need to be clipped back and stuff We go to dad to do those kinds of things So making his life a little easier if he is the outdoor gardener um, Some ideas, first of all, grow bucket That is something that I shared for a Mother's Day gift idea as well But uh, created right here in Georgia Grow bucket It turns a regular five-gallon bucket Into like a self-watering garden It's You can't overwater You don't have to weed Because it's a container Easy for indoors or outdoors Believe it or not So it comes with all the inserts And the sticks and the The overflow holes and things you need to set up a 5-gallon bucket to be truly successful Maybe growing tomatoes or anything really So if you're just the forgetful type and you forget to water Take care of a plant on the back deck That is going to be an idea for you And you want to jump over to the Facebook page too To see a video that I created for Hose Link Hose Link is a wonderful invention It's a hose on a reel But it's in a big outer plastic And you can mount the entire thing to the side of your house The side of your shed, carport, wherever And you can get the hoses in two different lengths I I believe one is 50 something feet The one I have is like 82 feet Um, The hoses come in in different lengths in the reel And just it's self-retractable So pulling that hose out Making sure that thing on the side of the house is on a pivot, so making sure it's in the right direction for you to be pulling out as much length of the hose as you need, and then it just retracts back, and it's such a wonderful, easy reel. It kind of uh, eliminates the need for the earlier garden caddies where you had a hose on a wheel, and you're wheeling that around behind yourself and things like that. This is so... Great, and kind of wiping off the hose Cleaning that, wiping it down Before you put it back into the retractable casing That way nothing gets clogged up Or snagged up or anything like that Father's Day gift cards Always a good idea Let dad pick out something that he wants And a Traeger grill And a smoker, wow A lot of time outside, a lot of ways to entertain Using a Traeger grill And learning too About different cooking techniques I mean if If dad likes to cook For a lot of people And you like the taste Of smoked food My goodness Being being adventurous With chicken wings And doing them up A totally different way Or a brisket Or who doesn't want A pork butt And you're able to do Pulled pork Barbecue on your own Nothing beats it And coming up At 8.30, we'll have Pike Nursery along for some other great gift ideas for Dad. You walk into a Pike Nursery, and we'll give you at least four sectors of the store, bam, 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 that you can just hit up and easily find really cool things for Dad, and really, too, that the whole family is going to enjoy. So I've had some common themes, um, people getting in touch with me off hours, you know, not not during the show, things that people are seeing and running into right now. And I'm going to use Paulette as an example. She is one of many That sent me pictures of this bright yellow granular stuff Almost like a little powder puff type thing Piled on her zoysia grass Other folks have sent me the same pictures of this bright yellow um, On top of their mulch If they have a little area in beds that are mulched Noticing no stems or roots So it's not like it's a mushroom It's not coming from the ground What in the world is that? Why I had to chuckle to myself Because I do not want to gross Paulette out when I answered her Dog vomit slime mold That is a thing that It gets its name from the way it looks Not produced by a dog But it's, it's named for how it looks Dog vomit slime mold So it, it really appears after a soaking rain Those are the ideal conditions for that to pop up from the grass From a mulched area And the good news is The longer you leave it It'll eventually start to deteriorate Harden a little bit And then it just kind of poof Powders, powders away No control required Don't be alarmed if it's at the base of your trees or anything It is not going to hurt A thing and one question That came up a couple of times we had a caller From Conyers last week with this concern And then John messaged me as well Tilled and overseeded Fescue in September So right we also want to do an application Of fescue seed in about March or so But just doing it last September Noticing after the winter time It was really spotty uh, so wanting to maybe still have that green, something to hold on to the dirt over the winter time, he then overseeded using winter rye, but now that the rye's dying back because of the heat, back to just patchy fescue, what do I do? I didn't do an application of seed in March, oh no so the caller from uh, Conyer's last week with a similar dilemma, and I had Clint Waltz from the University of Georgia turfgrass specialist on, and thank goodness was able to kind of pick his brain and say, okay, so what, what can he put in the ground right now? You know, fescue's not a huge fan of the hot weather. It's more of a cool season grass. But Clint Waltz says, yeah, go ahead and throw some fescue seed down now. Of course, it's not going to all take, but go over the rate and the recommendations on the bag just a little bit Make sure you keep it watered That's going to be so key Because it's already going to have a tough time That fescue seed But keep it watered You could see grass in as little as three weeks from now If you're able to put some down And that's at least going to be a little bit to tide you over To get us through summer to fall When you can really do that good application in September So thanks for the great questions I love being able to see patterns and themes And recognizing what people are seeing Because, you know, a lot of you call and your question seems so specific to your landscape, but I guarantee there's at least 15 others that are listening that are like, I have that same thing. I'm so glad she called about her hydrangea, about her camellia. So 404 nothing but calls coming up until 830 when we talk to Pike Nursery about Father's Day. Don't forget, it's tomorrow. It's going to be a rainy one, but it's still going to be a great weekend. We're going to step out, check traffic and weather, and we'll be back to WSB. I commend you if this last week You have been so religious and so good About properly watering everything Whether it's running the sprinkler on the lawn You know it needs about an inch a week Let that sprinkler run for a long, long time One good watering is better than Going out there three times a week And just doing a minimal amount of watering Or whether you're running back and forth Down to the vegetable garden With the hose of the watering can You've stayed on top of it The plants appreciate it But this weekend... Kick back and relax You don't need to do it The uh, weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing And Channel 2 Action News Meteorologist Brad Nitz Who's in for Kirk Mellish Says scattered showers and thunderstorms today Increasing during the afternoon As Tropical Storm Claudette Kind of moves up and travels into Georgia Kind of in a northeastern direction From southern Alabama and the Panhandle A high of 80 degrees today A low of 68 And tomorrow is just a total washout Heavy rain at times High of around 79 Low of 71 And then we have rain into the beginning of the week as well.
0: Green. Green and growing. Ashley Fraska's top three things to do this weekend.
1: So with that being said, maybe make some plans indoors. Go to some of these websites that we're mentioning, pikenursery.com to find some activities, things to be doing, good stuff for the kids. There's a kids' corner there. Becky mentioning the Atlanta Firefly Project.org and also G uh, G A. Pc.org for the Great Georgia Pollinator Census, learning more about that. Um, and Pollinator.org is a website too that's sponsoring this National Pollinator week she and I talked so much about. But also when you're when you're talking about online, being on the web and things like that, you want some apps to make plant identification a little easier. So that's my number one. Download a good plant ID app. Everyone needs one of those. So some of the ones that I've used successfully and that Walter over the years has recommended as well, Google Lens. Seek that's by iNaturalist that's a great one. Plant Snap, picture this. Plant Net, all of those are free. You can obviously get a paid version that may do a little bit more, but it just it enables the camera on your phone. You're able to take a good picture close up of a flower or a plant and uh, instantly be told at least. Relative, if it's not the exact Plant, the family that it comes from, you may have to Do a little more digging to find exactly But most of those are spot on And also if you're into identifying birds As well, a free app uh, Made by Cornell University Is the Merlin Bird ID app M-E-R-L-I-N, Merlin Bird ID app That one's a great one too if you don't Already have a bird book at the house. Uh, number two, now is a good time to stay on top of watering and fertilizing your house plants. Um, you know, times of active growth is when the fertilizer is really going to benefit the house plants. Cut back the dead parts; they're not doing any anybody any good. And don't don't be fearful if something you have is leafy and it's got some yellow leaves on it. A lot of times, that is just making way for the new growth. So just remove those and also uh, check for bugs as well. It's always a good Good opportunity to take the time, dust the leaves off If they're big broad leaves on there, maybe a Monstera or Croton or something like that You need to dust the, take the dust off that with like a wet paper towel or wet rag Lightly clean the leaves of the plants and that's a good time to check for bugs on the undersides Maybe any mold or sooty stuff that they've left behind Any flies that are in the soil You can apply a little bit of sand to the top layer of the soil To cut back on some of those flies that you may have On indoor houseplants And number three This is something You can still be doing Despite the heat Because they love it Plant herbs Basil That's an annual So it's going to die back Every year But love that For a caprese salad Oh my goodness We just Slice some mozzarella, tomato, and basil That's so nice to have Um, Herbs like rosemary, oregano, and thyme Those are perennials, but they're easy to grow So all of these herbs, what they really require Is full sun and only moderate fertilization So pretty easy A lot, though, do best in a raised bed or a pot because the ease of access for you being able to harvest when need be and move around and rotate into the sun and also that just provides good drainage has a little bit more of a controlled environment and it's best to collect herbs in late morning. So if you know you're going to be using some of those for dinner whether the rosemary's for your potatoes, the basil's for some kind of salad or whatever, go ahead bring them in, rinse them, let them air dry on the counter, and if you need to preserve them even longer, I've definitely had sprigs of uh, rosemary in the fridge for, gosh, a couple of weeks But drying them or freezing will preserve herbs pretty well as well Okay, back with your calls in the 8 o'clock hour 404 750 Can't wait to hear what you've been experiencing in the yard, and the landscape If you have any questions, coming up on Green and Growing Have a good Saturday morning, glad you're here It's 95.5 WSB